Hey, 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 everyone. It's Dr. Tamar Beckford with Your Caring Docs. That's right, where we're helping our busy professional women put their health and wellness first for at least two hours a month. Why? Because there are 730 hours in the month you can dedicate to yourself, right? This is our wonderful podcast of our docs who cares. And today I am bringing on a fantastic doctor. So I am going to bring her in in our Your Caring Docs fashion. So this doctor is Dr. Martina. Ziegenbein. But let's dig into what she has done so far. So Dr. Ziegenbein is a graduate from the Pavlov Yosef Safarik University Faculty of Medicine. She has her training in internal medicine at Marshfield Clinic, and then she did additional training in rheumatology. We'll go over what that is is at Boston University Medical Center. But as most of my docs, they don't stop there. They do more training so they can help more people. So she is also the CEO of Martina Ziegenbein MD Coaching, where she helps all those who are suffering from fibromyalgia. So she's a life coach for the fibromyalgia community. So welcome, welcome, welcome. The one and only Dr. Martina Ziegenbein. Thank you so much, Tamara, for a very warm welcome. And I have to say, I am so impressed with your flow and how you present and how you introduce me. I absolutely love it. And it shows that you're a pro. I really loved it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I am just super excited that you took the time to come on this wonderful podcast. And I cannot wait until we dig into the meat of this, right? Mm -hmm. But as with all of my guests, I really want everyone who's listening to get a feel for you, right? So let them know, like, what made you decide to go into medicine? Thank you for the question. So it's actually pretty um, shabby, I would say. I was mm -hmm. about 17. We were uh, walking in a forest with my mom. My mom would take me and my sister every weekend uh, for a little nature walk. And at the time, we hated it, my sister and I, because we were teenagers. But I came to love it and I did it with my son now. <laughs> so, and I remember walking, uh, being on that walk and thinking, yeah, I want to help people get their house back. And that's how I decided to go into medicine. So it was very, I think many people go into medicine with that hope or dream or vision. And that was the same for me. Wow. Do you remember that day like vividly? Like yes. I remember being in the, I remember we, we, I had several favorite routes or routes mm -hmm. that we took in the nature. And I remember even where we were and mm -hmm. I was just, it just dawned on me like, this is why, because I've been already considering application for medical schools, but this is when it dawned on me. I want to do it. Wow. I want to apply and become a doctor because I want to help people get their health back. And um, yeah. <laughs> Wow, so. this is so wonderful. I love it. You're like, do your nature walk. Your mom's like, come on, Martina. And you're like, oh, here we go again. Yes. <laughs> and today it's like, wow. Yes, this is it. This is it. It's such an impactful day that you can remember where you were. You probably can remember the smell, the sense, you know, the tree, <laughs> like everything, like of that day when it's like, yes wow, this is actually what I want to do, help people to get their health back. I love it. So now you're doing all this, you're into med school, and you decide to go into internal medicine. How did that come about? And then after that, you're like, 
I want to go into rheumatology. So tell us how did that second part? Yeah. So as far as internal medicine, so I actually, um, so I, I did my medical school in Slovakia, but I interrupted my medical school studies and I did a um, year of uh, cl- um, uh, basic science research in uh, mm-hmm. at Mayo Clinic in the lab. And while I was there, I had a chance to around and spend time with internal medicine residents and that's when I decided I wanted to do residency in United in the United States because I've truly felt that the residency here was very structured and I felt at the time it was the best way how to learn medicine how to learn clinical medicine so I applied for mm-hmm. many positions and I was uh, and I matched to Wisconsin and that's where I did my um, residency at uh, Marshall Clinic in, in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. So now you're doing residency and then you get this additional love for rheumatology. So yes, thank you. So yeah, so I actually came, thank you for uh, leading me into it. I actually mm-hmm. went to America. So I came in America in 2001 and I thought I was going to be a cardiologist. However, oh, wow. then I met Dr. Goldberg. He, I think he, he gave us, it was maybe my second or third week in residency and he gave us the first talk um, on rheumatology, it was the rheumatology residents uh, core lectures and uh, rheumatology was first on the list. And he started, he asked, um, the patient comes um, with, and he tells you that um, they have a joint pain. What do you do? And people started saying, oh, you ordered ANA, you ordered this. And he says, no, 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 no. You talk to the patient and then you examine them. And at that time I was like, I want to be like him. Like yeah. I want to be like him. And that's, yeah. And that's when I decided to go into rheumatology and I wasn't accepted initially. And then with a little bit of struck of luck, um, I got accepted. I, he, Dr. Goldberg, he was my mentor and he helped me. He called the program director at Boston Medical Center and he said, you need to interview this woman. She's really good. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. I know. It was, I had a lot of good fortune in my life. Mm-hmm. No, these we call, yeah, definitely blessings. But it's all like, you know, leading up to you helping more. Because like you said, from that time when you were 17 and it just struck you like, this is what I want to do. And then again, like it struck you that first, you know, training, well, I should say lecture in the rheumatology, like, okay, this is what I want to do. So all the, the doors that are opening up, you know, it was really like preparing you for that step, that additional step for you to help so many other people. Because now you're doing rheumatology and then you start specializing and you're like now an expert in fibromyalgia. Now yes. fibromyalgia is one of those disease processes that baffles us in medicine. And for those who are suffering from it, they have so much discomfort and the discomfort, you know, it expands through so much gamut it's more you know you have the physical pain the emotional disturbance to their lives and you're like you know what I want to help these people to restore their lives so tell us you know how you went into now the specialty of fibromyalgia and now also helping them as a life coach Yes, thank you so much. I, I love how you say that it's uh, the door opens and that's kind of can lead from one thing to another. I love how you put that. Um, I So rheumatology deals with um, all kinds. So usually when a, you, a typical patient with presents to rheumatologists with joint pain mm-hmm. and your job is to determine do they have inflammatory pain or non-inflammatory pain. 
And I don't want to, um, I don't want to do it a stereotype because uh, there are diseases we manage like vasculitis that do not present with joint pain. But in, mm-hmm. in terms of the big picture, as far as pain related, it's, they present with you with pain and you are, your job is to determine, do you have inflammatory pain or non-inflammatory? Because then the workup differs. Like there, there is a set of or- disorders that have, they're mostly non-inflammatory and set of disorders that are inflammatory, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, and so on. So mm-hmm. fibromyalgia currently is considered a non-inflammatory disorder. Mm-hmm. And the... I to, in trying to answer what led me to it, it's been... I have to admit, my dream to help mostly fibromyalgia patients has been there for at least nine years, but mm-hmm. I have been fighting it because I said I wanted to do bread and butter rheumatology, and it's been kind of hard to get a consistent help for patients uh, with fibromyalgia because I didn't have a full understanding, mm-hmm. and um, fibromyalgia means pain all over, mm-hmm. and we know that it's a uh, volume control, the, the uh, people do have higher sensi- sensitivity, it's called actually sensitization syndrome, but new term that we use is neuroplastic pain, ah. which means that there are neural um, networks or neuro, um, neural circuits that mm-hmm. are um, creating this pain as a result of um, chronic trauma or chronic increased mm-hmm. uh, sympathetic nervous system activation. Mm-hmm. And the, pr- the reason that it's so, such a good news, uh, even though it sounds kind of uh, ominous first, what does I know. So, <laughs> You're like, Doc, this is great news. No, no, trust me, trust me. But tell yes. us why it's good news. <laughs> so, the, 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 so the, the news or the research over the past decade have base, has basically shown that our brains are truly spectacular um, organs. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially it was believed that that neurons do not form new connections after a certain age. And they found out that's not true. Basically neurons can create multiple other new c- connections. And that means that this pain, the neural pathways that are promoting the pain can be rewired. And that's where I started, when I realized that I started collecting this knowledge only like six months ago or so I started, I got some extra training and basically the bottom line is people with pain can get better. Initially it was, management was uh, a decade ago, management was more like to deal with the pain and managing pain. And now the hope is for people to beat the pain to basically reduce it significantly. So that's that's what I that's where that's where I want to spend the rest of my life on. <laughs> oh, that is so wonderful. I love it. I love it that you know with the new information that's out there with science and with research, we find a new ways to really help. And that helps you to dig even further into your path, which is to help people live like healthy lives, right? So now, you know, we're there and and then you decided to be your life coach and to help these patients. So tell us when that day struck, because we're having a lot of like moments, a lot of times you're like, this is it. I've noticed with your path. And you're like, when does that day struck that you're like, all right, I'm going to now be the life coach and I'm going to help these women or men I, deal with. Fibromyalgia. Yeah. I have to say, I'm not sure. Like it was kind of growing in me. So I'm, I have to say I moved, there is a, another step. I moved from Wisconsin to Massachusetts, uh, Cape Cod in Massachusetts in March. And that kind of propelled me uh, in a new direction, as you previously said, how certain things open new doors. Mm-hmm. And 
after my move here to Cape Cod, which I moved primarily for for the beauty of the environment, and um, I wanted to be near the ocean. Plus, my family is all in Europe, so I wanted to be close to a major airport. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I started embracing my desire to something drew me to women who have fibromyalgia. They have always been a little bit. I don't want to say outcast, but mm-hmm. fibromyalgia has stigma on it. I, or has I had, say misunderstood. Right. And yeah. many of them told me they felt that um, they were not uh, believed to or they were dismissed by previous providers. Uh, you have no idea how many told me that even just hearing me talk to them about neuro- the concept of neuroplastic pain, how even just that mm-hmm. gave them hope that they can, they can feel better. So currently I studied as a general rheumatologist here, but I'm, I told my employer and they did let me do that, but um, I'm slowly moving my practice to involve, to include more and more fibromyalgia patients, but life coaching can, gives me an opportunity to work with, uh, well, mind management and also to help more people my way. You know, there are still some um, conventional medicine still does not, support uh rheumatologists being kind of life coaches which is what's really in in terms of fibromyalgia that's what we really need to be yeah it's Um, a combo definitely yeah i I can see how beneficial the combination of the skill set is versus just one aspect of it like you know conventional medicine combined with the life coaching to help someone with a, a chronic process like this just like explosion. I just, I can just see so many women who are just, their lives are just going to be transformed. (laughs) Just like, this is fascinating to me because the mindset shift that occurs when someone is already feeling as if no one understands them and they're being dismissed and you're already doing that mindset shift, like, no, I, you know, I'm here to listen to you. And then you tell, you know, you start pulling from them. <sighs> Amazing. Amazing. Yes. And many patients um, do, re- do even tell me, give me feedback that uh, the fact that I give them time, attention and hope, you know, that actually matters. That's initially what changes the game for them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as we work together, they appreciate the time and all the knowledge and empowerment that I provide. Um it's um, in um, helping patients with fibromyalgia is like, it's a layered process. Uh, initially, when I see them in my practice, I listen to their story, examine them, but you'll have limited time and you can't quite um, get to the bottom of everything. Um, to give an example, I saw a patient now already twice and only the third time after she came to see me and we were talking about how stress can be linked to onset of pain and then pr- uh, promoting the pain and making it kind of uh, on repeat. Only on the third visit, she revealed to me, initially I asked her, did you have any past trauma or stress? She said, no, no, nothing to like, nothing I can like think of. And this is a lady in her seventies. And then when, when I started asking her specifics or when I gave her more info about how past trauma can contribute to pain, she says, oh yeah, my brother, he was shot when he was 26, she was in her early thirties and her whole life changed around this, even though it was her brother who was shot, her life changed because she was then helping with his children. There was a lot of 
like a lot of uh, events that happened after his, her brother's injury that changed her life around. And it was never again the same. And there was a lot of stress, a lot of anguish, a lot of anxiety that contributed to her developing eventually fibromyalgia. And when we talked about that from that aspect, she was like, oh, I see that had a, a role in play. So right. just ex so the first step is explaining how mm -hmm. emotions and past trauma can contribute to chronic activation of the sympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. which can then trigger pain. And pain is just one symptom. They can develop other symptoms, mm -hmm. um, numbness, tingling, dizziness, lightheadedness. Many people with fibromyalgia also have poor sleep. Yeah. Um, they often have anxiety and depression and many people have like TMJ sim uh, syndrome or IBS. Like it's, it's uh, the list of symptoms that people can develop as a result of sympathetic nervous system activation. So that mm -hmm. our stress response is almost endless. Wow. So yes, you work in the emergency room, correct? Oh yeah. So you see a lot of patients who come with acute like flares. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you know, all the burden that is on them because um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. And, and from the standpoint of an ER doctor and getting to meet so many people from different specialties is that this adds to my arsenal as an ER doctor. So now I understand even more. So when the patient's coming in and there is a flare or anything going on, like it's not just, okay, I hurt and I have pain. Now I can sit and ask, well, is there an additional stressor that's going on right now that you think that could, you know, contribute to it? So this is just fascinating for me. I'm getting extra CMEs from the entire <laughs> medical community by doing this That's podcast. great to hear. Because, yeah, it was just fascinating listening to you. I'm learning so say, much. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm not sure how, like, in the ER, um, I'm not sure, like, uh, how much time, you, I don't know how many minutes you have per patient, so it's probably hard to mm -hmm. um, kind of um, go into detail, and as I said, I sometimes don't find out about some things, and it also depends on my skill, as I'm getting better, I will mm -hmm. find out sooner about their, uh, but it does take time, but Absolutely. sometimes... So when I see patients in my practice, and that's why I, as a coach, I will want them to keep their primary care provider. Mm -hmm. uh, but in my practice, sometimes I do resort to short-term use of medications that either help sleep or help anxiety. Mm -hmm. because, and, but I also try to explain to them, short. this is just for like acute Temporary. need, yes. but long-term. And what I would like to work with you on is to learn how to control these uh, attacks or flares so that mm -hmm. they are more and more manageable. But yes, I acknowledge mm -hmm. them acutely. Absolutely. You may need, um, like we call it PRN use. I don't know what's the proper, as needed. Yeah, use. as needed. Yep. The as needed use of mm -hmm. medications that are, that are short acting or that help with sleep. But mm -hmm. as patients work longer and longer with me, they even recognize that they use less and less um, medications for sleep or anxiety medications as they learn how to work with their anxiety and mm -hmm. their, as, as they how they'll um, learn how to work with uh, calming their mind, yes. which, is at, which is at the heart of this. Wow, calming their mind. See, like I said, CME, continued medical education. For those who are listening, like Dr. Beck, we're talking about, I just learned an additional skill set in helping those who come in the middle of the night because that's the time I'm an overnight doc. So 
My awesome. patients are not, yeah, they're not going to be coming in during the days when I can really get in contact with a lot of people. But now this additional skills, now I can really sit with someone and understand a little bit more from the patient's perspective and even more importantly, how to help them get some relief during the time between them seeing me and also for them going out and seeing their providers. Wow, this is fascinating. So really calm in their mind. So just realizing that something is triggering excessive stress is causing a flare up of that sympathetic. So for those who are listening, this is your fight or flight. This is like, hey, I need to run away from the tiger, but there are no tigers around. And so the nervous system is just still going and firing really, really hard when it really doesn't need to. And then it's, it's exacerbating or flaring up this pain in those who are dealing with fibromyalgia. So this is a wonderful way for me to learn like, wow, I can help you ladies too. And gentlemen, we're not gonna leave you gentlemen out. Yeah, most, I, um, yeah, I, that's important to note is that mm -hmm. there are men who suffer uh, from or with fibromyalgia. It's generally, I see about eight, like in my hands, the ratio is eight to two, like eight mm -hmm. women and mm -hmm. uh, two men there. for every yeah. 10 patients. Uh, but it's definitely more prevalent in, uh, women mm -hmm. um i can't fully explain i don't think that um the science has a full no why either yeah i don't think so but um what i what, when i work with my patients the first step is to so i examine them in, if it's in my office i examine them to make sure there is no inflammatory process mm -hmm. you, my patients in the coaching practice will have hopefully had seen a rheumatologist uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh because i will work with them online so long distance too mm -hmm. um and then the next step is to understand the neuroplastic um, concept of pain. So we expl I explain to them how pain is processed mm -hmm. uh, through the brain. Uh, I have I always provide a couple of examples of how a brain actually can generate the pain and how the brain can decide whether it mm. will generate the pain or not. I wow. give them an example of a construction worker who stepped on a nail and the nail went through the boot, like from the bottom all the way to the top. And he was in terrible pain. Uh, he went to the ER. They had to give him morphine to pry the boot off. This happened like three decades ago. It's an old story that is like repeated on those pain lectures. Mm -hmm. And when they took the boot off, there was not even a scratch. So the person was in pain and the pain was undoubtedly real, real but there was no scratch. So it was the predictive coding. The brain felt... You know, he saw the nail in his boot, he said, and the brain decided this is dangerous, like, yes. and, pr and produced the pain, even though there was no injury. And then mm. the opposite spectrum of that is uh, when the, the another uh, guy, also in construction in industry, construction mm -hmm. is a dangerous business, <laughs> <laughs> had a nail uh, gun misfire, and he um, basically hit his fingers, like the nail went through three of his fingers, mm -hmm. but he was he was alone at a construction site and he experienced barely any if at all pain and he drove himself to the er and every and there is a picture again to document so basically this is what how the brain decides whether mm -hmm. to produce pain or not so mm -hmm. i explained the concept uh, and we talk about how chronic stress can trigger the activation of the nervous system's um reaction the flight or fight mm -hmm. and how can that connect um to production of multiple symptoms. And I always start with uh, explaining how short-term mm -hmm. uh, flight or fight, for example, I blush when I'm embarrassed, mm -hmm. but some people have 
like sweaty palms or they have knots in their stomach and yes. everybody accepts everybody accepts that this is mind body syndrome you know emotions create stress and then stress can create physical symptoms that are real right but that goes away it resolves within a few minutes but every but people don't like the idea of chronic stress chronic fight of fight reaction causing chronic symptoms but that's mm-hmm. exactly what pain chronic pain is. And right. so we, we talk about that and patients have aha moments and they understand. Then um, I give them, I explain to them that there is always hope that this is good news because pain pathways can rewire, just like the brain learned the pain, mm-hmm. it can rewire the pain. Wow. And I also reassure them they did nothing wrong. This is not conscious. This is all subconscious process. Right. And then, then we dive in. So, Wow. See, I think that even just finding out that the brain can rewire its pain producing process, that alone gives so much hope, right? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, you're just your thought process prior to them interacting with you is like, okay, well, already, what am I going to be doing just to manage it? Tell me what meds I'm just going to be taking. And you're like, no, well, by the way, here, this is how this works. And this is how the mind works. And the mind works in relation to pain. And this is how we can reverse it. And you're like, whoa, we can do that. Fascinating. It is fascinating. And this is all thanks to research that have been done over the past decade that the neural pathways, the neurons um, are misfiring and they can be rewired. These neural pathways can be rewired. And it's really, it's incredible. And I had, uh, if I, I don't know if I may share, I had my own success in that category. I mm-hmm. uh, have rheumatoid arthritis, which is an inflammatory disorder, but I also have myofascial slash fibromyalgia pain in my back. Mm-hmm. And it has been there for many years. And as I started engaging in this process and I learned about the techniques that are used for uh, improving pain, I so I, it's one of the techniques is called somatic tracking. Mm-hmm. And I was walking on my lunch break, which I do every day. And I said, well, I'm going to try that. And the pain went away and it come, came back, but it, I was able to make it go away. So it's really, that's what I teach my p- uh, patients and clients, how they can do this and be encouraged by when it happens, when it does go away and not be discouraged when it comes back, because then right. it, to get it basically under control is to believe they can. So right. it's, yeah, it's really, it's, a lot of exciting and fascinating stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, this is absolutely amazing, especially knowing, like I said, there's new research out there that's helping those. And I love the fact that you're using this not only in the capacity as a rheumatologist, but like I said, in the capacity of the life coach. So now a lot, you're really out there helping so many people, you know, and with the life coach, you can really help people from across the borders as in like you know you're not limited only to people in Massachusetts or any particular state or even country you know you can really really truly help a lot of people which was your initial goal anyway so I love this so much yes so but then what are you doing for self-care Okay. Yes. So uh, thank you for the question. So one of the things I do for myself is uh, somatic tracking, which basically means uh, aw- being becoming aware of the pain and sending safety messages to my brain. You can do it seated or walking when you're engaging in activity, but I prefer to do it seated or when I'm laying in bed. So I do that. And I usually do that after my son goes to bed. <laughs> I have a five-year-old, so that mm-hmm. plays a role. And um, that's one. I do meditate and I do guided meditations at night, mm-hmm. which is similar to somatic tracking. Mm-hmm. And then I like to go to gym 
and well, I shouldn't say I like to. I don't like the process of uh, exercising, but I like how I feel after. See, so I love the honesty. You are here. <laughs> we are one with that. The startup process is challenging, but the rewards, yes. Yes, the rewards are uh, what gets me in there. Mm-hmm. And Mm-hmm. And then I, what I mentioned at the beginning is, you know, when my, my mom, when she took me and my sister for walks, we, she started when we were a little and we called it actually crusades. We call it crusades because we hate it. <laughs> but I go um, to na- for nature walk with my son or we go to the ocean. Yeah, well, I didn't, I don't call it that for him. I don't want that him to get used to that word. <laughs> our, uh, but we, we used to laugh at it with our mom back then, you know, like mm-hmm. she knew that we... We, she knew that we changed our minds eventually. But yeah, so spending time in nature is um, important for me. Wonderful, wonderful. I love it. You know, you're using the same technique that you're using to help others, use it on yourself. And, you know, which shows like this is something that works, the somatic tracking. And then you're doing guided meditation and nature walks. But we won't tell the kids that it's crusade. No, nature no. Walks. Yes. Thank you for thank you for making sure that we don't tell the kids it's crusade. Absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty, so this is time for our fun question of the day, which is, if you weren't a doctor, what would you be? I love, Tamara, how you're, you're, you're reaching so many fields. I really love that. I really love you're a great mm-hmm. interviewer. Uh, so I was um, thinking about it just for the, you know, for the few moments when you asked the first time. And mm-hmm. I had to say I was going to be a, um, how do you say, the, the person who arranges flowers, a, a florist? Well, a florist? Yeah, because I love the smell of of uh, flowers and I love the view. Like when I was recently in England visiting my sister, we went to um, Royal Gardens and it was so beautiful. Oh, wow. Uh, Weasley Garden. Yeah. And I just love to look at it. So you're my I, second doc who said that too, you know? What's that? Yeah, you're the second doc who. Oh, really? Would to do, yeah, Dr. Siri Shad. Yeah, she said that she would do that. She loves floral arrangements also. So see? There are other doctors who are like, yes, I would do this too. <laughs> and I and I see a beautiful flower arrangement you have, be, or it's a plant behind you, and it looks very good on the screen. <laughs> so yeah, I um, yeah, that's what I I don't know how to arrange flowers now, but that's what I would do if I I think if I had a second goal. <laughs> I love it. I'm the same way. I do not have any inkling on how to arrange flowers, <laughs> but I can absolutely. I have a skill in appreciating. <laughs> floral arrangements and Admiring, I appreciate yeah. flowers I do not have a green thumb in my body I keep thinking I can do it and I can't I'm not that skilled at it but I am very skilled at appreciating the beauty and I love flowers and it's a good skill let's just face it it's a good skill to appreciate you know flowers and flower arrangements <laughs> absolutely absolutely Alrighty. so now we have those who are listening and I, I am absolutely positive there are a lot of people here who are listening to this podcast interview and they're like okay I have fibromyalgia or I know someone who is suffering very, very badly with fibromyalgia. And I am just so happy that there is a coach out there who is designated to really just helping us. So let those people know where they can find you. Thank you for uh, asking. So uh, they can find me on my um, website. Uh, It's uh, http uh, uh, colon double slash www dot martina ziegenbein md coaching.com mm-hmm. and martina ziegenbein spelling is m-a-r-t-i-n-a 
Z-I-E-G-E-N-B-E-I-N-M-D coaching. It's all one word. Mm -hmm. And if somebody would like to connect with me on Facebook, I'm there under name Martina Lenartova, L-E-N-A-R-T-O-V-A. And I respond within 24 hours and I'll be very excited to connect. And thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, on your platform to present uh, myself and my business. Wonderful, wonderful. So like, hey, like we said, all of you who are out there who are either suffering with fibromyalgia, know someone who's suffering with fibromyalgia, we have someone here to help you. We have a wonderful doc who cares. That's Dr. Martina Ziegenbein, and she can be found on her website, right? Martina Ziegenbein, MD Coaching, M-A-R-T-I-N-A, and it's Z-I-E-G-E-N. B-I-E-N-M-D-Coaching.com. So go ahead, get in contact with her, get the coaching and the skill set that she has developed. Let her help you to live a wonderful and productive as pain-free process and as lovely pain-free life as possible. Thank you so much, Dr. Zingenbein, for stopping by on our Docs Who Care podcast. I am so, so happy that you were able to really pour out all this great info. Like I said, I've learned some things that I can use in the emergency room. And for those of you guys who are out there suffering, she has even more skill set in her arsenal to help you out. So I thank you for listening. Thank you guys for stopping by. And let's give Dr. Zingenbein a high five and definitely download this episode send it to anyone you know who will benefit from it right this is available on our itunes and go ahead and leave us a five-star review we love to love to love to get those thank you so much dr ziggin thank you dr tamara i really appreciate it i did too all right so we'll see you guys next time bye guys <laughs>